Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Hello, this is Julia Zamiro, and you're listening to Joy 94.9. Lucky you. Hello and welcome to Being There Done That Joy ninety four point nine. With a oh, oh, I'm I'm not in a I'm not a well person. I'm not a well person. I've got all this. Yeah, okay. Oh, I'm wheezy Anna. Call me. You can call me Anna. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Gordon. Please call me Anna. Uh, hello, Anna. And Phil, you can call me Anna. As I'll well. call you Mississippi. Why? I don't know. You don't look like an Anna. I am, I am, I'm here to tell you. Welcome to Been There, Done That. Yes, it's Joy's history program. Sometimes we have talk about gay icons, bicons and dicons and other important things in the histories. But then there's events that happen around us that are historical or hysterical. And we sometimes wonder what their origins might be. So on today's show with us, we'll be talking about Labor Day. We'll be talking about an anniversary that's occurring on the 18th of March. A very important person for Mm -hmm. our community. We'll be talking about biodiversity. And we'll be talking about something that's going to be personally happening to one of this crew in the next few weeks. So there we go. That's the rundown of the show. We had a holiday weekend, a long, a stretched weekend. Labor Day. Why, Gordon, please? Labor Day. Labor Day was the celebration of the eight-hour day, which came into effect way back in 1856 when the Masons of Victoria decided they would stop building Parliament House and uh, a couple of other places until they got eight hours of uh, work, eight hours of play and eight hours of sleep. They got a bit stroppy, didn't they? They did get very stroppy, but that's the way we got Labor Day. I mean... They're workers. They've got to work seven days a week, surely. Oh, they were working seven days a week, but now they they, they got that down to six days a week. All but, right. Yeah, so the working they, week was six days. Yes, but they could go to church on Sundays, you see, so that was one of the reasons. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. But, they, but Labor Day was uh, instigated then, and it, was, it wasn't until then. It was a bit later when they put in Labor Day to celebrate it and have a public holiday. And we had a public holiday for years called Labor Day until 1954. When they had a little parade going down Swanston Street, which developed into something rather large. Well, I believe that before 1954, there were parades as well, but possibly they were just trade union. They were the union, trade union. They would march down Swanston Street with their big banners, with their beautiful banners. Those banners are absolutely fabulous. They're still, some of them are still up at Trades Hall. Much like church banners. Yes, a bit like that. For patron saints. Oh, they'd be, be, you know, um, in the old measurement, 12 feet wide and six feet high and been carried by two burly blokes with the, yeah. against the wind or something or other. And and where would they march from? 
They marched from the top of Swanston Street right down Swanston Street. Now, what building is up there that oh, well, we that, might that see Close these days? near the Trades Hall. They started the Trades Hall and they'd come back down to there. That's a uh, lovely stone building with columns in the front. Corner of Victoria Parade and... Ligon Street. Ligon Street. Mm-hmm. And I believe that you might have had a job in that general vicinity. I worked for years at the John Curtin Hotel right opposite, which was the Trade Union Hotel. Mm. Oh, so, you're a tradie going Oh, I've been. Back. A, I've, you had to be in the Trade Union to work at that place, I can tell you. <laughs> you had no option. I didn't worry because I've always been a unionist man anyhow. And Phil, have you always had the opportunity of joining a union in any of your jobs? Not once. Typically working in smaller companies and in the IT business, which is very, well, I'll say immature. It's not a very old industry. But that would be a pretty fluid industry anyhow, wouldn't it? People would be coming and going and you wouldn't... Yeah, and I guess it was, there's a lot of money and a lot of wages were fairly high. So in that sense, we didn't need the union to fight for our conditions. Although as an apprentice, my first week's pay was $35, which yes. was a lot of money, actually. That was a lot of money in those days. <laughs> yes. yeah. Well, my first job was uh, a government job. No, it wasn't. It was working for Myers in the bargain basement. Oh, you were a Myers maid. I, I was, yes. And oh. This was my Christmas wages, and it started me on the savings program that you- I put into practice. So you were in the, ba- the basement of Meyer in bargain. Adelaide? basement exactly there down in adelaide yes yeah i fell down the stairs going down to that thing i got off got off the ship coming over in our first border call was adelaide and i got off there and i was waiting for the the roll of the ship before i stepped off down the stairs it didn't roll and my feet went no no what, what do they the, do with the drunken sailor? Yeah, well, well, that's right. Send him into Myers. Put, put, send him into Myers, yeah. Well, I was ragged when I was a little apprentice person, uh, first job. Uh, I was told by one of the other floor walkers in... Are you free? Well, not quite. <laughs> I was, I was, it was suggested that I should go over to the paint department and buy a can of striped paint. Oh, right, yes. And I started walking there and I turned around on my heels and said... Don't be stupid. I see what you're doing to me. You're tricking me. That sounds like my left-handed screwdriver. Yeah. Oh. There's always one of them in the toolkit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Until second year of apprenticeship, and then you did it to the first years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Those so, traditions so what carry. happened at 1954? Well, they, they, they decided they would have a parade to um, celebrate. Um, well, the uh, parade needed to morph. Yeah, well, to, it went, went, became a, a, a full blown community thing rather than the unions and they called it Mumba it was supposed to be an Aboriginal word and uh, meaning, meaning something or other but let's get together and have fun, fun which yeah, it never it, meant that but it never meant that at all it meant kiss me bum oh. in, in the local dialect was Hello. Kiss- so it was an advertising gimmick yes this is right and it fell flat because they got somebody to ask them what they would call it <laughs> one of the some of the um, indigenous community at the time said Mumba which means kiss me bum so There's that's what it's been called ever since. Well, it was an honest opinion. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But but I can remember seeing an advert for that on the Perth railway station in 1954 before I came over here. Yeah. And it was advertising this wonderful, wonderful parade called Mumba in Melbourne in 1954. But, uh, yeah, so they were advertising it all around Australia for well, the first one. Yeah. it's Australia's largest free community festival with millions of people attending 
every year. And that's over the three weeks that uh, sort of events are structured. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but it was basically the parade which started right up the top near the brewery, the old brewery site up in um, the top in Swanderson Street. And, it's become, and it went right down hmm. to Linlithgow Avenue and would turn left into Linlithgow Avenue. And uh, there were people would be, the people would tend deep along the streets of, 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 of um, oh, Swanson heavens. Street. Why? The person underneath uh, must have been squashed if they yeah, tend deep. Yeah, but it was... It was You'd it, think that was one of my lines, wouldn't you? <laughs> you would. <laughs> but it was, it, was, it was just an amazing spectacle because I, I, when I first came over here in 1958, we lived in St Gilda Road, so we just only had to walk across the road to see the parade. So, yeah, that's yeah. good. But now with the uh, special tram stops in Swanston Street, you can't get a good rundown. Well, they don't do it anymore, anymore down Swanston Street. And, of course, yeah. with all the building works with the uh, Melbourne Metro, lots of St Kilda Road is being dug up. So, uh, Well, they, this year they started down yeah. to the shrine end of the, of the um, St Kilda Road and came back up towards the river, I think. And but the, the the other thing about the Mumba was the um, water skiing on the Yarra River that became that took off and became very very popular and the, oh, and, and the Birdman and yes. all the rest of it made it and made of a course, lot of fun. This weekend there was the usual catastrophes of people falling into the water and ingesting all that poisonous muck. Oh God, I wouldn't want to swim <laughs> in the Yarra. Doesn't wouldn't matter what happened. <laughs> no, but the parade now has become rather community more community uh, oriented. oriented. Yeah, yeah. It's it, there's no floats anymore. When, when they had these wonderful floats like Meyer and the Gas and Fuel Corporation, and well, they do have some floats, but not the big corporate. Things. Not the big corporate yeah. things. Yeah. So it's a parade <laughs> parade for the plebs. Hmm. Yeah, there'll be That's a man on stilts. Every year he's there. Don't well, know how he gets home. He would have to be careful that he didn't bump into the tram wires, wouldn't he? Well, that's the way. When these, when they made the floats going down Swanson Street, they had to be made to a certain height so they would get under the tram wires. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was all very well. Yeah, much more colourful if they didn't. Oh, have all these sparks sparkles. and smoke. <laughs> much more. <laughs> uh, we've got uh, the BGs lined up. They're going to be talking about night fever. BGs, please explain. They are the brothers Gibb, who came out here on a boat. That's they did right. that they these were, days. They were, they'd be sent home. They were ten pound bombs. Well, the thirty pounds are three of them. <laughs> well, oh, there you go then. You'd buy your or, Gibbs in bulk. <laughs> <laughs> You're with Gordon, Phil, and Chris. Been there, done that. Joy ninety four point nine. BG's Night Fever. Find out more about Joy 94.9, check out joy.org.au. You're with Phil, Chris and Gordon, been there, done that, Joy 94.9. Labor Day, yes. 
Oh, it was nice to have a, 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 the Monday off, but I did feel guilty, didn't I? Did you? Oh, having been a, a sort of a, uh, a member of a union, I was obviously when I yeah. just finishing my little story off. Uh, apart from working at Myers, I then became a public servant, and there were union uh, unions with that applied. Uh, and looked after public servants. Mm. And, uh, yes, they, they did a bit of good for me as well. But uh, it's very interesting how general society has moved away. Yeah, well, it was the, it was the government that uh, brought in all the laws that basically um, decimated the union movement. But you've got to remember that without the union movement, we wouldn't have had a Labor Day holiday. You wouldn't have had a lot of the holidays we get well, you, because they we, were all fought for. You know? That's right. And we wouldn't have had uh, regular wage, wage rates. That's right. We wouldn't and get we the, wouldn't have had holiday loadings that's right. or even annual leave. That's right. These sorts of things. Now, in the deregulated labour market that we've got at the moment in 2019, a lot of those aspects have gone out the window. Well, that's the problem at the moment. And, of course, the coming election is supposed to be going to be written uh, done on wage rates or something or other well we've had so many years of the capitalists turning back the clock mm-hmm. and doing all those hard fought for benefits that was it's about time that the uh, the worm turned well it, the, the clock usually goes around you know what goes around comes around you know and it'll 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 finish up that will be depending on who becomes the government what the what the what the yeah. um, thing will be yeah. and it's interesting that way back in uh, let's see what's the date on the 14th of march the year 2008 a bill was passed in victoria allowing registration of partnerships now that's 11 years ago and in that intervening year the years things have happened we weren't satisfied with the small step that was achieved at that point, but we've built on that now. And a couple of years ago, we got marriage equality yeah, well, through, uh, which is a national implementation of what the state had implemented. But there was a few embarrassing slips between cup and lip to get equality for gay couples or straight couples who were up to that stage living in sin That's and right. who had no legal uh, rights yeah. inter alia between those two parties because they didn't have that little piece of paper which said you are married. No, but that's what the re- partnership registration did. It was not only for um, our community to, to register your your relationship, but it was also for, as you say, de facto couples that could register their relationships as well. It's a horrible word, though, registration. <laughs> oh, yeah. You get your dog registered, not your partner. Yeah. Mm. It's just, it was insensitive at least. It was a strange bill because it, you had to be able to prove that you were financially responsible for your partner and uh, they were relying on you to be the the... Sort of the, yeah, you were supporting you them. were supporting them and all the rest of it, but it did give you if you were a gay couple it, if you registered your partnership, if anything happened and you got sick, your partner could then come in and override anybody else's opinions about what the medical situation would be, so that was one of the good things that that happened, yeah. Because it was um, it, up until then, it was only the the next of kin that could actually do anything, like your mother or your father or your sister, if you didn't have mm. your parents alive or something rather. But it was uh, just one of those things. But the registration made that 
possible for your partner to sort of say what was going to happen. One mm. small step for man. And then it took <laughs> another, what uh, What was that, 2008, 2007, up to, well, up to 2018? It probably took eight or nine years yeah, yeah. for it to, to work its way through yeah. the... <laughs> But we've still got a couple of fights to go yet. Oh, we certainly still have. still have a few to go yet. There's another little person who's had a birthday round about the same time. 18th of March, 1939, was born a, a Michael Kirby, who became an Australian High Court judge, and he is one of us. Oh, of course he is. And he has fought for equality in the law in lots of areas and he is a voice which yeah it's just magnificent to to listen to him to to hear him clearly define his logic path and there's no hint of bias in that he was one of the few liberal members of the of the Australian High Court yeah um, the others were all quite conservative which is similar to You've got the, they're appointed, so if the, if you've got a conservative government in and, and somebody has to retire, they would probably con, uh, employ yeah, a conservative they're political appointment. Yeah, they're a political appointment, so they would cons, get yeah, a conservative much, judge much in like on the, the thing. Much like the board of the ABC. That's I mean, right. The, the party in power uh, has got its hands on quite a few of the levers. Yeah. But uh, he was uh, Michael Kirby uh, when he was on the High Court was. A fairly independent, mm. thought-thinking person, and he clearly defined his arguments nicely. I think our High Court is uh, has a, an age limit where you can serve. It's not like the Supreme Court in America where you die in office. You don't. You do not retire from being a Supreme Court judge. You actually pass away, or you you can retire if you want to. But I, I in Australia. You get trumped over there, don't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. oh sorry. Yeah, yeah but, the, the, but it's amazing because I was watching the thing about um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who's the, the Supreme Court judge, the, the elderly woman. In and the she, she, she and Michael Kirby almost share the same birth date. It's amazing yeah. that these two justices on the highest courts of their land. Well, not only has Michael Kirby got this birthday, but on the February the 11th, 1969, Michael Kirby met... Johan van Vlotten yep. in Sydney. At the Rex Hotel. Yes. Did you ever go to the Rex Hotel? I did. You I did mean, too. Well, it was a, a well, well-known gay watering yes, hole. that's right. <laughs> it was interesting that they have just celebrated their 50th anniversary of their first meeting. Yes. And they celebrate. how did they celebrate it? Really wonderful. They got married. They did. They took advantage of the same-sex marriage vote that went through the House and they have benefited thereby. Yeah, but the thing was that Michael Kirby didn't like the yes vote being, uh, uh, the postal vote for the yes vote. He was totally against it until his partner, Johan, um, convinced him that it would be a good idea to do so, to to take part in the vote. I I didn't like the... I the implementation like it. of it. I, I thought it was absolutely wrong. It was a waste of bloody money. You, you pay these politicians to make decisions and the, the, to pass the buck to make sure that they didn't say anything. Oh. They, they had it, had, we had to vote for it. But the, the vote was absolutely uh, an amazing result. But really look how much has changed in the world since Mr Kirby met his partner in 1969. Yeah. We had man land on the moon. Mm-hmm. Look at the world now. With same-sex marriage or marriage equality, we think you're going back to the moon. 
Yes, yes, yes. A lot, lot of progress on that side. That's a lot of side, yeah. But it's almost a completely different world that we live in. Well, we do. So yeah. to be born into this world and to grow up gay, hopefully, will be so much safer and better. Philip, it's going to take at least probably a generation and perhaps two generations. Well, a lot of dinosaurs need to die. That's right, yeah, before the whole thing comes to pass. Michael Kirby said that the pair had met at the Rex Hotel, as you mentioned, good, Mm -hmm. one of Sydney's few gay venues in 1969. He came in at about a quarter to nine, and the relationship that was made that night lasted from that moment on, really, and is still going strong. And the celebrant Michelle Bailey is quoted as telling the wedding guests that within weeks of the fateful meeting, uh, the pair had been introduced to and accepted by their respective families. She's amazing because she worked at the Kirby Institute and she said to Michael, she said, if ever you want to get married, consider me to be the celebrant. And so he did when, when they decided to get married at Bondi Junction. They would have the, this woman who had worked with him at the Kirby Institute as the yeah. celebrant. Yeah. But once again, Michael Kirby has quoted his interpretation of the social situation. The couple didn't feel a special need to secure a document from the government <coughs> to uh, celebrate their 50 years together. Shared love doesn't seek permission from officials for its existence. At this stage, they didn't feel that they had anything to prove about their love because they'd been together for 50 years and were still together. Their marriage was proof positive of the capacity of love to prevail over obstacles, hostility, change and the passing of time. As a judge, he should have pointed out that you get less for murder. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't think that you should be able you should have to get married but I, I can always remember there was a couple of elderly women on the thing and they said we've been together for 40 years who needs it you know yeah they would that's, were, that's were, the point though we just want the right to get married that's right yeah, it doesn't mean it's, it's not to, compulsory it's not compulsory it's just the the right to say i want to marry my partner of so many years you know it's, yeah. it's just it's just a wonderful thing to be able to do yeah so my future business is going to be tattoo removal because that's going oh, to be yeah. that's, highly sought after. It, it oh, is. Yeah. And gay divorce. They had that had oh, an article yeah. on, I heard an article about that on the radio, and that's what's coming. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Future proof. Uh, stay with along. us, because there's more coming up after we've heard from Earth, Wind and Fire. Love Radio? Joy is now on iHeartRadio. Turn us on anywhere. You're with Phil, Chris and Gordon. Been there, done that. Joy 94.9. Thanks for being with us and thanks for your feedback. 
we've got a, an interesting article to be talking about at the moment because it was in uh, 1971 that a little little sort of furry animal was made our Victorian emblem. Yeah, right. And, and that what was, was this little creature called? The Leadbeater's possum. Now, do you think he would have gotten that job if not for Dame Edna? Probably not calling everybody possum. Said, possums were front of mind every time Dame Edna came on stage. <laughs> Hello? Hello, possums. Yeah. Leadbeater's possums are only found in Victoria, so that's why and they were made the, to be the... In the eastern forests. In the forests of the east, yes, that's right. But the, the problem is that there is so much um, of the forests have been cut down these days that the Leadbeater's possum is hunted a little bit out of existence because it doesn't have its natural habitat. It's being taken away. No, well, that's the greed of uh, the timber industry or the dependence upon our natural resources. But I don't know whether we have any real rights to claim nature purely for, for our benefits. I don't think so, but the there's there was a, been a few very interesting articles that I've been reading about the biodiversity of of Australia, you know, and yeah. the, and there's one big thing that's been coming in. It's about the the fact that if we keep cutting down all these trees, we won't have it. It upsets our water, our water catchments, the catchment areas. And when they when new trees start to grow, they use a lot of water to grow, and yeah. a lot of water doesn't go into the dams. So that this is makes our water supply very very dicey. If they keep cutting down all the trees around the uh, the, the natural um, catchment areas for the rain, yeah, and, and the, the the rainwater needs to filter into the soil hmm. slowly and deeply to allow the forests to to regenerate. And of course, as you were saying, they don't regenerate. It's not a new problem. There's a piece of graffiti at Burnley Station. Been there for years. Stop logging our catchment areas. And it's been there as long as I can remember. That's wow. probably right too. Yeah, yeah. but it's a bit, it was an interesting article. But there was a re- re- rebuttal of that in the paper the other day, which um, sort of said, "Oh no, that, that, that's totally and utterly wrong. It doesn't. They, they don't need this sort of water to grow these young um, mm. trees and everything." But they do. <laughs> well, can I give you an European situation? As a result of World War Two, there was lots of areas in. Uh, those middle European countries that had all their forests uh, trashed by war efforts because Mm, mm. the the troops could hide in there, the tanks and things could hide in there, uh, bombs were indiscriminate and lots of things. What the Europeans determined when, when peace came was that those forests needed to be replanted mm. but they planted them in a single type of tree oh yeah not not a diversified forest exactly mm. and and they after the trees grew they realized that there was no boids in their singing mm. there was no deers running around there was no proper critters in the creeks etc etc mm. and then they had to go in and start to create diversity by replanting uh, manually a lot of the uh, trees cover but, that would have been planted uh, by just scattering seeds. Well, they they probably were the trees that should have been there in the first place. Precisely. You know, so they had to, they didn't replace the trees that were originally there, but something was growing to going to go quickly or something rather. Yeah, and but the monoculture doesn't work. No, but it's the same. It's here a good simplistic answer, though. Yeah. So what do we do? Oh, we better plant more. Yeah, hmm. but, they, but this is the same now. They've been planting um, pine trees. 
yeah. to, to, for, to cut in, down here in Victoria, you know. And but, blue gums. Yeah, but they don't, the, the, the gum trees, the pine trees don't get holes in them where the birds can make nests and things like that. This right. is the problem. They don't do that. But they're made, but they're planted for timber for housing framing and, and all this sort of business. And they're not fireproof because if a fire goes through oh. those pine plantations, that's it. All the oil that just in the in the plant themselves, they just And explode. they don't survive mm. a fire. No. So therefore, they've got to cut things down. They haven't left any seeds behind. And it's going to be hard work for it to regenerate in that form. So that's when they have to consider putting in diversity. Mm, but they, at the moment, they're starting to cut down some of the magnificent mountain ash trees that are out in the out in the mountains of the of the east of this state. And um, mountain ash trees are just absolutely beautiful, beautiful big trees, and they're just gorgeous. But they just and they're the home to all the animals and the birds and everything. But that doesn't matter, you know. And there's what, money to be made. You, you mentioned that there's various pieces of fauna that didn't come back into the yeah. the forest. But what would you call a, a deer with no eyes? I don't know. No idea. Oh, no idea. Oh, thank you very much, Phil, yes. You might change the subject now. All right, then. Okay, well, what I could suggest is, though, that we've been warned that the insect kingdoms are being chewed out. Of course, They're not it's regenerating. From, this is, of course, of some, from some of these trees being cut down and everything because that's where they live and they nest and all this sort of business. But We need bees and moths and other things to... Uh, fertilise the flowers of those trees. I suspect they're falling victim of an insecticide. Well, they're being killed en masse. People shouldn't be putting these chemicals in their gardens to just universally kill every Tom, Dick and Harry that comes by Mm. because Mm. we need... We're the top of the tree. Mm. And the only reason we can survive is to let everybody underneath us get by too. Mm, that's right. But yeah. we, we don't like the little wriggly things well, or the stingy at, things. Well, look so. at what look, the, starting um, last weekend, I think it is, there is well, I'm not sure when exactly the date is, they're going to have the duck shooting season start. Yeah. You know, they're going to get out and shoot all the ducks, but there's very few ducks around because there's no water. Uh, and the other thing is, of course, that all the lead shot that gets fired in the air falls down. Where does it go? goes into the water, and then it melts into the water and into the soil. And poisons But you've got to be careful I'm not, when sure, I'm not sure that there's lead in the lead shot these days I'd hope not well, I, think it's, I don't think it's, there's lead in it in But it. you watch one day you're going to get mugged by a duck And you're really going to think Well why don't we have duck shooting One of the, <laughs> one of the, one of the letters to the paper Recently said um, I wonder if, uh, how they'd go If the ducks had guns and fired back Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. That's equality I well, believe in that Yeah, I, I think I've seen enough summers And as you, Gordon, and you, Philip, uh, that we can remember when summertime would mean that you would have blowflies. I haven't seen Big. a blowfly in the years, have you? No. no. Uh, that we would have uh, those little bush flies, I call them the little ones that, that created the need for you to wave your hands in front of your mouth before you opened it to start speaking, or else these little baskets would go into your mouth. Philip, I'm here to tell you that's not a wave, that's the Australian salute. Yes, it <laughs> is. And that was Chris talking. 
Yeah. Oh, sorry, <laughs> Chris talking. Yeah, that was the Australian salute. Was the, yeah. was, but I've, I've noticed that a couple of times I've been standing on the station waiting for a train and, and the flies have come around, just a couple of little buzzers, you know, yeah. and they, they go there's, very quickly. There's nothing to worry no, about. No. And people freak out if they can hear one mosquito and they think they're going to be uh, attacked and carried <laughs> away or oh. end up with dengue fever or something. Yeah, well, you can. Same yeah. with cockroaches, cockroaches. Oh, God. Summertime. That's when they happen, oh. and they're not dirty unless you leave dirty things around for them to eat. Yeah, but they, but they said that if some if, if they destroyed the earth with an atom bomb, the cockroaches would still survive. But who would they scare? There'd be nobody here to. Oh, well, you'd look at them. You think, oh, poor little thing. Yeah, you know, if you're scared of a cockroach in Australia, go to Hawaii. All oh, right, they're big ones. They're aren't the they? size of small cats. <laughs> oh, I don't like that. You're on Joy ninety four point nine. Been there, done that with Gordon, Phil, and Chris. Stay tuned. There's more. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy ninety four point nine. Support Joy ninety four point nine by becoming a member at joy.org.au. You're with Been There, Done That. Joy ninety four point nine. Uh, Chris, Gordon, and Phil. That's me. Oh, yeah, we're still here. But some people are not going to be here, are oh, they? Oh, we'll talk about it in a little bit. Yeah. All right, then. Somebody's What's a little secret? I yeah, I just, I just, I'm just interested in an article that we found about the Malaysian, LGBTQ Malaysians fight back after the government official says they don't exist. What? Yeah, I think they're doing a Bob Catter. Actually, oh, the, there's know, no, no guys, no, no in, Queensland. guys in Queensland. No, no. Oh. But we, we had his step stepbrother there who <laughs> came out and said, yes, I am. I think there's a degree of uh, denial going on in some of these countries. They just close their eyes and la, 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 and the problem goes away. Oh, but, yes. But there is no problem actually to go away because if they admitted that gay people were a reasonable member of community then they would actually relish and encourage their acceptance and visibility. It seems to be in these the countries that are basically uh, uh, religious-dominated, you know, like... Yeah, these, the, Islam or... Islam or one of those extreme things. extreme right. Yeah, there, there's, there are two gay world leaders have urged Arab nations to become LGBTQ-friendly. They're Xavier Battle and Leo Varadkar, who have been giving speeches urging Arab nations to become more inclusive of our community. One of them, Betel, is a is the Prime Minister of Luxembourg, and he was sort of saying, you know, that um, you've got to be more friendly to, to, to the gay community. But these two men are openly gay themselves, and they went into, the, into these Arab meetings and talking about them, saying, you know, you've got to be accepted that this is what people are because it's part of the United Nations human rights. Yeah, that's what it exactly. was. Exactly. Now, a lot of the people that are not able to come out in Malaysia have made a positive and fruitful life for themselves in other communities. Yes. Like in Australia yes. or yeah. into UK mm -hmm. where the colonial connections have worked well for them. And so you, you can have fashion designers, you can have cooks, you can have presenters of one sort or another uh, who uh, are proudly out and gay, but as soon as they step back into Malaysia or Singapore, the discrimination barriers come up. Yes, well, there's been a few, few um, people that have sought refuge in Australia that have been gay, 
and um, they, they, there's, I think there's still a couple of on Manus Island. Actually, they haven't been allowed back into the into the country. Yeah. But um, I don't know what will happen if there's a couple that get chosen to go and live in um, America, which hasn't proven very conducive to any of the people that have gone off there from Nauru. They've gone to America and they've had very hard time finding work doing anything in America. They well, said they well, would that's pref- part of the capitalist system that's <clears throat> yeah. in but, operation but, there. But they said they'd prefer to be back on Nauru rather than being in America. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Mm, mm. Golly, I hadn't heard that well, one. I thought America they were on the television. I saw it on the telly. Mm. The old Statue of Liberty. Welcoming yeah. all the welcoming all yeah. the poor and helpless. Yeah. Send yeah. me your huddled masses. Your huddled masses it was, yes. Free. Yes, that's right. Yes, the yeah, word. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Holy it was God. through rain... Hail, sleet or no, snow, that's but the that's, post. that's the postie. The postman. <laughs> postman Pete, yeah. Now, one of the other things that has happened, according to some of the press releases I've seen, that some of the Arab states in the Middle East have heard at one of their summits, they've heard about gay life in the friendly countries of the West. That's right, yeah. Showing that integration and acceptance is a positive step for governments to to embark upon. Mm. And hounding the people and trying to get rid of us is is, uh, uh, the worst possible thing that they can do for their own consciences. Well, well it's basically against human rights legislation, which is in the the United Nations, yeah. But they're doing it in the name of their God, and yet they say their God is peaceful. Uh, yeah. So it's a bit of a problem there, a bit of a mismatch. Mm. It certainly is a mismatch indeed. It will slowly, it could possibly change slowly because there are quite a few gay Muslims. They have convenience marriages sometimes. You know, they will marry oh, and have a couple of children, that. but they have their boyfriends on the side, and that's fine. But and, they have well, been married. That's part of our society, and we're, we're just further down the road than those societies. Should we be talking of some new boat people that will be leaving from Melbourne? On a rather large boat. Oh, you mean exporting rather than importing? Well, just temporarily. Oh, really? That that Wilson export program. (laughs) Yes, I have to admit that I am leaving on Monday week. Whenever that, on the 18th of March. Yeah. I'll say the date because that's about all I can remember. And we're leaving here from Melbourne on the Queen Elizabeth all right. How and, appropriate. Hmm. And where are you going? Prince? We're going around the um, the South Island of New Zealand and stopping at Wellington because my partner wants to go and see where they filmed the Lord of the Rings. Yes. And that's one of the trips, one of the day trips we can take. So we go to, we, we've got a book to go onto that so one. Listen carefully because you're going to leave on a ship and you're going to arrive on a ship. A ship, yeah. So a shop, they yeah, yeah, a ship and a shop. When the shop arrives, when the shop arrives in Auckland, uh, yeah, in Stop Wellington, it. yeah. But it's That's yeah, but we we have um, <laughs> we've been booked into the the top class of the ship. Oh, right. Yes. Well, it's taken all your life to get to this particular. Yes, point. that's right. Um, uh, we, apparently, we have a butler. Oh well, <laughs> a private butler. Somebody to crack your pistachios. Yes. Like Heal me a grape, Bueller. Bueller, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and they have two galah nights or gala nights, whatever you want to call it. We, so, we, we have to have dinner suits, so we've, yeah, we've got or, dinner suits. Yeah, that's good. Or party costumes for yeah. the other things. Oh, well, so. I don't think I'm going to get into a party costume. The last time I was, at, well, last time I was on a ship and I, I, I won the best dressed competition because yeah. I, was in, I was in drag. 
Oh, really? I don't have a dinner suit, but I'm such a sloppy eater that I come back with dinner all over it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, that that sounds wonderful, Gordon. So you and your your partner are going to go on to the high seas. Yes. How long... It's about 12 days. 12, 12 days. days? Yes. Yeah. Golly gosh. Well, that means that we're going to miss you for a couple of weeks on yeah, the show. that's right. Yeah. What now, will we do without him? Oh, what oh, will look, we do? Well, will, will we? Will, 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 Phil. Yes. Okay. Uh, but, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it, there's a lot of things you have to remember to do when you're going away for 12 days. You've got to get somebody to check your mailbox and do all the rest of it. So, fortunately... Where I live, I've got a couple of decent neighbours that will do it for me, so that's good. Oh, right, yes. Well, you certainly don't <coughs> want uh, people to be using your house without your permission. They'd, have, they'd, they'd, they'd be hard to get in because the thing is so secure, it's just not funny. Oh, right, like your virginity. Yes, that's right, yes. yes. Oh, that's, you've got the box that it came in? Yes, and that's about all. That's about all, yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm quite, quite looking forward to 12 days on the ocean and calling into places that I've never seen and probably won't see again. Be yeah. sure to give us a wave. But on the, the best ocean. part about it is that the Q, Queen Elizabeth is is the home port is Melbourne while she's here in Australia. She doesn't go to Sydney. Yeah. She calls calls in there, but she doesn't she doesn't um, do anything. It's the she's here at the um, she station. Get enough here. customers out of Melbourne. Oh yeah, well the people come down from Sydney to Melbourne to to yeah. go on it. You know, so yeah, and she's going around Tasmania and all those sort of things. You have four day cruises and all the rest of it. But we decided on a twelve dayer. Now, whilst you're gone, I hope you're not embarrassed, but we're, we're going to get someone who might be able to fill your seat, if not your shoes. I'm sure that Will will fill my feet. Oh, my uh, shoes, I mean, whatever. Well, Will has a wealth of experience. Yes. He's a nice man, too. He is a very nice guy, mm. and he also appears on a couple of shows here on Joy already, but his background is of a technical nature, and young Phil and young Will will have a lot of fun talking about technology. technology. (laughs) Well, aviation in particular. Yes. And I challenge you to see if you can find a Frank Sinatra song that might suit. Oh, up, up, and a... No, come fly with me. Come fly with me. Oh, right. Oh. I wonder if he's in our system. 1978, I think. Oh, God. Oh, it'd be before that. Was it? Surely. No, no, I think about 78. It could have been a bit... I know he bought a... a, a there's a double album, yeah. Come Fly but With Me. I think we have that piece of music in our personal library, so that's all right. But I was thinking Up, Up and Away... But, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's in a, my beautiful balloon. That's, yes. I don't think there's any propellers on balloons. No, but that was the theme song for a uh, airline company that was functioning here in Australia. That's right, yes, it was. Trans-Australia Airlines. TAA, mm, the mm. friendly way. Mm. Well, we know all about that. Mm, so, mm. yes, yeah, so that's some of the stuff that will be happening in the next couple of weeks. And then when we come, when you return, Gordon, mm-hmm. uh, you'll be able to tell us all about your tour. Oh, God. Your trip. Yes, yes, yes. You'll yes. have an accent by then. You sound like a Kiwi. What do you do about sex? Oh. We dine about sex. <laughs> Until no. about seven. <laughs> uh, I hope you don't pick up any diseases on board because the air is recirculated, <laughs> having been filtered once oh, yeah. and cleaned and cooled. And don't once think about it being a, a floating gastro factory. All right, okay, but we we have a balcony, a huge balcony at the back of the well, penthouse. Well, pity or just like pity the people below. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Say hello to Ralph for me, <laughs> Ralph. That's one thing I don't get is seasick, so I'm rather lucky. Yeah, I don't get seasick because I don't go on boats. <laughs> 
Anyhow, it's going to be lovely. We could time for us to say goodbye anyhow. It is. So, so I'll see you oh, sometime in April or somewhere. Yes, yeah, something yeah. In the future. So yeah. you have a nice holiday and we look forward to you telling us all about it next time. But until then, it's cheerio. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.